um, video. Do I turn the video around? Here we go. Uh, good evening. It's eight o'clock in Yerushalayim. This is webshiva.org, and it's time to begin our mini series of Shi'urim on Halacha, specifically riding bicycles on Shabbat and Yom Tov. The Halachas are the same. Uh, uh, before I begin with the material, let me point out that if you want to ask a question in the course of the uh, class, feel free to uh, type your question on chat. I'll see it on my screen, and then I can incorporate the answer into the ongoing shiur. Uh, if you want to uh, 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 review a class on the archives, the recorded version of this class is available around an hour or so after the class concludes on the um, website, webyshiva.org. And if you want to ask me about a question uh, regarding the archive version, either because you missed the shiur or because you want to review it, feel free to uh, send me an email. Uh, here you have on chat my email address. Uh, just mentioned in your email the original date of the uh, of the class you're asking about, then I'll understand what it is you're, you're asking about, and I'll be able to send you a response. Uh, I don't look at uh, email every day, but uh, within a couple days, uh, you'll get uh, you get an answer in Yetz Hashem. Uh, uh, now let us begin with the material. Let me do this. Okay, we're, the, we're talking about riding bicycles, and of course we're talking about riding bicycles in an enclosed space, either. Uh, uh, within a building, which is not very practical, I understand, but might apply sometimes, or, or within a neighborhood or within a town, which is enclosed by an Eruv. This is not the format. This is not the forum in which we should discuss all the details of what constitutes a valid Eruv, but assuming that there's a valid enclosure around the, the town, the, the neighborhood, uh, whatever, uh, we're speaking about riding a bicycle within that area. Uh, uh, for some reason, not entirely clear to me, uh, the Mishnah and Gemara do not speak about bicycles, and therefore, although we would normally begin a halakhic analysis with the relevant passages in the Mishnah and Gemara, we're going to have to plunge in uh, to uh, this particular subject in the 19th century when bicycles uh, first were introduced. Our first, uh, our first text is... Uh, is the Rav uh, Pa'olim. Now, all the texts which I quote in the course of the class are approximately word for word. I have, aside from typographical errors, the texts are word for word from the various sources which I'm quoting, and you have the precise source on the screen, so I don't have to mention the precise uh, paragraph number that, that I'm quoting from. You have that on the screen if you want to look up the context and check it out. Uh, the Rav Pa'olim, that we're going to look at first was written by Rav Chaim Yosef was his name, generally called the Benish Chai, because that was the more famous book that he wrote. Uh, he was the great Rav of Baghdad in the uh, in the 19th century, and he was the first of, of the Rabbim. He was the first of the great rabbis to uh, publish a tshuva, to publish an opinion about riding bicycles on Shabbat. The, 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 the question uh, which a physician, a Jewish physician in Baghdad asked him is a very simple question. The physician, uh, Jewish Torah observant physician, 
asks the rabbi if I'm allowed to ride a bicycle to visit my patients on Shabbat in their homes, I'll be able to cover far more patients. If I have to walk, then of course I'll be able to visit fewer patients. We're not talking about a life-threatening situation, the physician said. If there would be a life-threatening situation, so of course, of course we do whatever is necessary right, to treat the patients. But I, I, know, I know definitively, very clearly, that, that none of the patients we're talking about are in life-threatening situations. It's just uh, uh, for their comfort and well-being that it would be wise to visit them and monitor them. Uh, monitor their symptoms and make sure their course of treatment is correct on Shabbat. And, and Yom Tov would be the same, exactly the same issue. Well, uh, let's see his tshuva. It has a title, Be'inyan, regarding Hakaron, regarding the, the chariot, regarding the wagon, Shekorim, bicycle. Well, uh, of course, uh, there was no Hebrew word for it in those days, and therefore uh, he calls it bicycle. And you'll notice it's written as two words. That's probably how he heard it, by sicko. Uh, and this is really his best attempt to spell it in Hebrew letters. The question is, can you ride it on Shabbat? Now, the, uh, the question is as follows. Nishalti be'ir Bombay. The question actually, he was of, uh, of uh, Baghdad. But the question came from Bombay in India, the old colonial name of the city. And uh, back in those days, the Jews, there was a large and vibrant Jewish community in, in Bombay in the 19th century. The community was uh, largely divided between those, th those Jews who were of Iraqi origin. Uh, not that they came from Iraq, the families had come from Iraq however many generations ago. And those and those families which were of uh, Persian origin, as the families had come from uh, Paras, from Persia, any number of generations ago. In any event, as far as the Iraqi Jewish population of Bombay was concerned, they looked to uh, the Ben Ishai in Baghdad as their spiritual leader and their uh, rabbi who would decide important halachic issues. Well, he was not only the great rabbi of Baghdad in those days. He was not only uh, the rabbi who was, was very influential in, in the Indian Jewish community. He he's one of the one of the great heavyweights of the 19th century, uh, universally revered through all Jewish communities. So in Bombay, they asked Binyan Karim Karim Binyan Karim regarding this this chariot, this wagon, Shakarim Gari. And in, in India, it was called Gari in, I don't know which, uh, who knows how many local languages they have there. Shekavua Boshnei It runs on two wheels. Well, you know, we know what a bicycle looks like, but uh, back in those days, it was a new thing. He had to describe it. Talking about a two-wheeled chariot, two-wheel carriage. Einam Moshchim Strange thing about this chariot, about this, about this wagon, it's not drawn along by animals. You don't have to hitch up a horse to it. Adam, and you don't have to hire uh, coolies to pull you along. It's not a rickshaw, which has to be pulled along by animals or by humans. This bicycle thing goes by itself. 
uh, no animals pulling it, no people pulling it. Sitting on it powers it. The person sitting on it uses his feet to uh, to rotate the wheels, and that's how it goes. Well, are you allowed to ride it on Shabbos? And you know, if it would be the same. True. This is his answer. Nireh, it would seem, and you know, the great rabbis always express themselves modestly, it would seem that the following is correct. But of course, no, no one told him he had to publish this uh, this tshuva. The, the very fact that he chose to publish it means he's uh, definitively uh, definitively expressing what he believes to be the correct opinion, even though he says it in a very modest way. Yesh lahatir lirkov We should permit riding on this gari on this bicycle, which is mentioned in the question. Since it's the person sitting on it who powers it, we should permit it. Ben b'Shabbat, Ben b'Yom Tov doesn't matter whether you're talking about Shabbos or Yom The halacha is the same. It is should be permitted to ride a bicycle. B'toch ha'ir sheyesh ba'eruv. Of course, we're talking about an enclosed space, either the town or the neighborhood or whatever it is is enclosed in the area, so there's no problem of transporting anything a distance of four amot, four cubits in the public domain. Uh, if it's enclosed, it no longer has the status of the public domain and will leave for, for another series of shiurim, the exact definition of what constitutes a valid enclosure. That's a complicated issue. Leka mishum uvdin There is no disrespect of Shabbos here. Uh, because this is a weekday activity. Uh, why, why not? Why is this not a disrespect of Shabbos by engaging in a weekday activity? You're, you're, in, the, you're in the city, you're within the Eruv, uh, uh, and therefore there's no prohibition. The whole city has the status of being a private domain because it's properly enclosed. Absolutely, we have to rely upon the lenient opinion here. It is simply permitted. There is no prohibition of transporting anything uh, for a distance of four amot, four cubits in the public domain. It simply doesn't apply because we're within the Eruv. And there's no, no, other, no other concern here. He continues and says... Well, oh, the, 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 here we have a nice image of what of what the uh, human-drawn carriage looked like in those days. But uh, that's not what he's talking about, of course. He's talking about a bicycle. Uh, let me say, a new idea on this subject. Here's a new idea I have. Everyone in the world. Am I going to do this? Everyone in the world. Oh no! It's per, everyone in the world will have to admit 
that it's permissible to ride with the bike within the Eruv. Since the person sitting on it is only pushing on his legs. Now, of course, we know there are prohibitions associated with using animals on Shabbos. We don't have to get into that subject because it's just the person himself using his legs to drive the bicycle. And the bike goes by itself. Shiny tuva, this is very different from the chair which humans carry, like we saw on the previous image. The chair which people carry, that's a whole different story because then you're using the people to carry you, and that's a burden. Uh, we're not talking about that. The nami shiny tuva medin ha makel and we're not talking about something like a walking stick, a cane, which you hold in your hand and use to walk along. Uh, that's a complicated subject, whether you're allowed to carry a cane in the public domain. But we don't need that complicated subject. It's a complicated subject, whether, whether the humans carrying the chair are permitted in the public domain. But we don't need that discussion. A whole new thing. It never was an invention like this before, and uh, uh, it's driven entirely by your own hands, by your own feet, and not only that, it, it's driven. Oh no! Oh here. Uh, it's driven not only by your own feet. It's not only a foot power or leg power, but it's a, a kilacher yad. It, it's not the normal way of moving yourself through the public domain. The normal way of moving yourself through the public domain is, of course, by walking or running or dancing. Uh, this is a, a very unusual way, a whole new, a different way of moving yourself through the public domain. And therefore, even if you will try to tell me that there's some prohibition here, uh, this is uh, an irregular way of doing things, and an irregular performance of a violation of Shabbos lowers the level of severity. So even if you'll try to tell me that there's something wrong with this, ah, it's still only an irregular way of doing it. Lachen, bottom line, nearly, it seems to me, bottom line, there's plenty of room to be lenient here as long as you're with an Eruv and you're going L'tayel, you're going out for a ride. All the more so if you're going on the bicycle for a mitzvah purpose. The person who asked the question was a physician who wanted to use his bike for a mitzvah purpose to go visit the sick. Uh, no different in concept from the mitzvah purpose of using the bicycle to ride to the synagogue, to participate in the prayers. Well, well but uh, I, I'm, I'm not permitting the bicycle because you're driving it for a mitzvah purpose. I'm just permitting it flat out, even if you're just going from Litayel to have a pleasant ride on the bike on, on Shabbos or Yantif. It's all simply permitted. Further, Further, there's another reason for leniency here. 
don't come and tell me, he says, that this is some kind of uh, weekday activity and that we should shy away from, we should prevent, we should prohibit weekday activities on Shabbos. Don't try to convince me of that, he says. The bicycle, most models, are designed to carry one single passenger. Well, there are bicycles for multiple passengers, but most of them are designed for a single passenger. And since they're designed for a single person to ride the bike, lachem, therefore, Therefore, it doesn't look at all like a caravan. It doesn't look at all like a business trip where you have all your merchandise and all your all your uh, all your equipment that you take with you. There's nothing about this which gives the appearance of a weekday activity, a, a caravan carrying businessmen, uh, equipment, and merchandise to who knows where. There's nothing about this which gives the impression that it's a weekday, there's a weekday purpose in riding the bike. A single passenger by himself, whether he's on a camel or, or, or a horse or a bike, single people don't go on business trips by themselves. Because you go in a caravan for protection back in those days. Well, <laughs> in the Near East, the deserts still are dangerous, I suppose. But, but surely back in those days, it was dangerous to travel through the desert by yourself. Of course, you want the protection of a caravan, which incidentally leads to another subject we should discuss in another series of Shi'urim, uh, the, the, the Torah-observant Jew who's joined the caravan traveling from Baghdad to Damascus or to Yerushalayim or something like this. And of course, the caravan takes many days. What happens on Shabbos? On Shabbat, the caravan, they're non-Jews. They're just going to continue caravan going. But uh, for the, what is the Jew supposed to do? Uh, when the caravan, on Shabbos, when he's a member or she's a member of the caravan traveling from who knows where to who knows where through the desert. That's a subject for another series of shiurim where we would learn that since it is life-threatening to be left alone in the desert, of course, it's correct to violate Shabbos by continuing along with the caravan. And uh, then we would have to open the question whether it's correct to join the caravan in the first place when you know that you're going to be violating Shabbos. Well, that will be for another subject, another series. What do we know up to this point? He, he's absolutely rejecting any room for being strict on the bicycle. There's no reason to think that allowing someone to ride a bicycle is going to lead to doing something else. Uh, 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 no, no one is going to draw the conclusion that, oh, the rabbi permits riding a bicycle. Therefore, you must be allowed to ride a horse or a horse-drawn wagon. And no one's going to draw a conclusion like that from the permission to ride a bicycle. Everyone understands the difference 
between a bicycle and riding a horse or a horse-drawn wagon. The difference is perfectly obvious. First of all, no one is going to make a mistake here. No one who sees the person on bicycle is going to think, oh, it's some kind of animal. Uh, he, he's riding a, he's riding some kind of animal like a horse. No one's going to have such an absurd idea. No one's going to make that mistake. Oh, further. And here we have an idea which is so fundamental. Uh, an idea which is so important. We are going to be returning to it a number of times, but this phrase is going to come up over and over again in the words of the great rabbis, not only in the context of bicycle riding, but in a million other contexts. Ein ligzor gzerot chadashot mita'atenu. We do not have authority to legislate any new prohibitions. Halachic prohibitions have one of two sources. Some halachic prohibitions are of Torah origin. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God said, do it, don't do it. That's a biblical commandment. We know what the source of authority there is because HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God told us what to do or what not to do. Those are, that's biblical halacha, mitzvahs of the Torah. The second and final source of halacha, there are only two sources of halacha, the, the, the second final source of halacha is what the Sanhedrin, back in the days of the Besamekdash, when the temple was standing, there was a Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was both a judicial body, deciding cases of, at law, but the Sanhedrin was also a legislative body, rather like the House of Lords in, the, in the Britain today simultaneously a judicial body and a legislative body. The Sanhedrin legislated a lot of halacha. That's called Durabanan. All the halacha, which is of rabbinic origin. Who are the rabbis who had the authority to legislate rabbinic law? The rabbis of the Sanhedrin back in the days of the Beis HaMikdash, when the temple was standing, with the destruction of the second Beis HaMikdash, the Sanhedrin did not vanish. Uh, we know uh, quite definitively that the, it, it occupied ten different seats after the destruction of the of the Beis Hamikdash. Historians are very interested in, in, in following the travels of the Sanhedrin from town to town. They petered out pretty quickly after the destruction of the Second Temple. And today we don't have a Sanhedrin. The reason the Sanhedrin petered out, and we do not have one today and are probably unable to reconstitute one today is because one of the requirements to be a member of the Sanhedrin is you need traditional smicha, traditional ordination. I'm not talking about the kind of ordination that rabbis give today. Someone uh, takes a test and satisfies me that he, he you know, he knows uh, the Shulchan Aruch very well, and I write up, write up a certificate that he's ordained as a rabbi. I'm not talking about that. The traditional ordination, which was a requirement to be a member of the Sanhedrin, was uh, ordination which was passed down from teacher to disciple, from Moshe Rabbeinu on down. Moshe Rabbeinu put his hands 
on Yehoshua, ordaining him. It went down through the generations, and the only way to be ordained is to be ordained by a rabbi who was previously ordained in the chain, going all the way back to Moshe Rabbeinu. Among the many requirements, as we could speak a long time about the requirements that have to be fulfilled in order to be ordained, one of the requirements is both the rabbi who's granting the ordination and the disciple who is being ordained, both of them must physically be in Eretz Yisrael. And when the centers of Jewish scholarship moved to Babylonia after the destruction of the Second Temple, uh, the chain of smicha, the train, the 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 the, the tradition of uh, the chain of uh, ordination in Eretz Yisrael petered out, and we there is no one in the world today since shortly after the destruction of the Second Temple, there is no one in the world today who is ordained in that traditional chain, going back to Moshe Rabbeinu, and therefore it's probably impossible to reconstitute a Sanhedrin nowadays. In another series of Shi'urim, we could speak about opinions which might see some mechanism by which it could be done. But uh, as uh, Rav Yosef Karo, the author of the Shulchan Aruch said, uh, according to our traditions, uh, um, uh, uh, Eliyahu the prophet is going to return and appear shortly before the times of Mashiach. And he uh, was traditionally ordained, and therefore he will be able to reestablish the chain of tradition again shortly before uh, Mashiach comes. So in any event, we surely cannot create Torah law. Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu could do that. Uh, we cannot legislate rabbinic law. Only the Sanhedrin could do that. And uh, if bicycles had to existed back in those days, maybe the Sanhedrin would have prohibited. What do I know? But uh, uh, even if they would have prohibited back in those days, if it had existed, they didn't. They didn't prohibit it because it didn't exist. And therefore, uh, we cannot, uh, therefore, we cannot prohibit it today. Yeah, of course, today people tra can can travel long distances alone if you're in a part of the world where it's safe to do so. Uh, but still, uh, you can usually you can tell by looking at the person whether he or she is equipped for uh, uh, backpacking or just out for an afternoon stroll. It looks very different. Now, 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 now this idea is a very powerful idea, which rabbis are going to be returning to over and over again in the course of our discussions. If the Torah did not prohibit it, and the Sanhedrin did not prohibit it, and we would know about that by, by studying the Gemara, then we have no authority to prohibit it today. It is sufficient for us to conform to Torah law and rabbinic law as given to us by the Sanhedrin. Uh, that is sufficient for us. Okay, therefore, yesh lahatir ben Therefore, we have no authority to prohibit the bicycle on Shabbos as long as we're talking about a city where there's an eruv 
And this is true whether you're going for a mitzvah purpose, like a physician, or going for a mitzvah purpose, like going to a shi'ur, going to the synagogue, or whatever. It doesn't matter. Even you're just going out for a walk, uh, just going out for a ride to have a good time. Go for it. Hine noda it is well known, he says, Shiesh Bagari Hazer Hanizka Vashela Svivota Galgal. There is one little problem with the bicycle from the halachic point of view, and that's the wheels. Or Echad, there's a kind of leather, he says, around the wheel, a kind of leather, a sui plastic. And, and the, the kind of leather I'm talking about is not the leather of an animal. It sort of looks like leather, but it's really what they call in the, in, in Arabic, lastic, lastic, uh, lastic in Arabic happens to be identical with the Russian word lastic, uh, cognate of the English word elastic. Uh, that's the old Arabic word or modern Russian word for that matter for rubber, the ordinary word for rubber in the 19th century and still today in many parts of the world is plastic. Well, there's a rubber uh, uh, circumference around the wheel. Humakif chodosh galgal, this rubber, it surrounds the circumference of the wheel. And this like leather stuff, this rubber stuff, gets pumped full of air there's a special instrument, a special tool used to, 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 fill, to fill this rubber with air. But there was no word for pump in those days. In modern Hebrew, it's a mash'eva. But there wasn't a word for pump in Hebrew in those days. So you have to describe what it is. You need a pump to The adding air gives it volume. It expands. It blows up. It's the rubber which touches the ground, not the metal of the wheel. One has to be careful. It is prohibited to inflate the tire. On Shabbos and Yantif. That is prohibited. Just like on Shabbos, it's prohibited to inflate a balloon or uh, inflate anything. The example in the olden days was inflating a, um, a, a pillow or cushion to sit on, inflating a cushion or a pillow or something like that. It's, those are the older examples. That, that, that is a prohibition on Shabbos. Because one of the real prohibitions of Shabbos is tikkun mana. One of the real prohibitions of Shabbos is, is doing the last step necessary in order to make a utensil, a usable utensil. Uh, the example of the Gemara is the final hammer blow, which the blacksmith has to, has to do to make the horseshoe a usable horseshoe. Uh, the final step to make a, uh, an instrument a usable instrument is one of the real prohibitions of Shabbos. And since the bike is useless with deflated tires, the last thing you have to do to make it usable is inflate the tires. You have to make sure the tires are inflated before Shabbos. That's true. 
You have to make sure that the tires are inflated before Shabbos or before Yom Tov. The air has to be, it has to be inflated before Omed Yom. The bicycle has to be ready to use with inflated tires before Shabbos or Yom Tov. The or fact that the the wheels are going to rub against stones and uh, uh, perhaps dislodge stones as you're going along. That's no prohibition. That's like walking along. It's the same thing. The person who's riding the bicycle surely has no intention to dislodge pebbles. Surely has no intention to move pebbles, rather like someone walking along. Uh, uh, also does not have such intention, and therefore uh, no prohibition there at all. It's true that the pebbles are mukta, and you're not allowed to handle them on Shabbos, but uh, prohibitions uh, uh, are lifted where there's no intention to do what you what's happening, and you're not even sure it's going to happen at all. It's not vadai. It's not certain that the pebbles will be dislodged. And if they are, you don't care one way or another. Bottom line, this was the first published tshuva regarding bicycles. Uh, 19th century Baghdad, uh, permitted, permitted, permitted. That's all there is to it. The only problem is making sure that the tires are inflated before Shabbos. Now, uh, at this point, we have to turn to a chapter of history. The opinion of the Ben Ishchai, the heavyweight, uh, the great authority of the 19th century, is perfectly clear in his published tshuva. But now we have a historical issue coming up. Did he change his mind later in his life and uh, fail to publish a second tshuva correcting the first? Or is this the opinion which he held throughout his life? Did he at some point realize, ay, 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 I made a big mistake and my opinion was wrong and I have to tell everyone that it's wrong? Or did he continue uh, holding to the truth of this juva through his entire life? Now, 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 this, this, is a, this, is a, this is a historical question, which unfortunately comes up over and over and over again in rabbinic history. Not only rabbinic history, but that's all that interests us at the moment. Uh, countless examples. Oh, uh, the Rambam changed his mind towards the end of his life. The Rambam firmly rejected Jewish mysticism, Kabbalah, Zohar. Well, Zohar was not published in those days, but mystical works. Uh, Jewish mystical works were firmly rejected, definitively rejected by Rambam. Uh, did he change his mind and see the truth before he died? Some people say so. Other people say no. Uh, there are countless, countless examples of rumors of great rabbis who changed their mind and saw the truth, saw that what they had said is wrong. And, and this particular uh, scenario crops up in this case as well. Let's see what happened. Next, we're going to look at a tshuva of Rav Hadaya. Uh, Rav Hadaya 
was originally from Aleppo in Syria and uh, came to Yerushalayim. And in Yerushalayim, in the beginning of, in the beginning of the 20th century, he came here. And uh, in Yerushalayim, in the beginning of the 20th century, he was one of the uh, most influential rabbis, uh, both in halachic issues and in Kabbalistic issues. He, among other things, was a close friend and associate of Rav Kook, but we don't need his biography at the moment. His published shuva about bicycles says as follows. Bedin ha-bicyclet, bicyclet, whatever, however he pronounced it, nira de meutadl kilkul ka'ashera chushya'id. Bicycles break. Everyone knows that bicycles need constant repair. You know, nowadays you have to put patches on, on, the, on, the, on the tires. Back in those days, the, the rubber wasn't as good as we have today. Uh, you had to fix the tires more frequently. And now, you know, the chain falls off and you have to re put the chain back on the sprockets. Uh, back in those days, it happened even more often. But everyone knows that bicycles need continual maintenance. Miskalkel gumi, the listic, the rubber gets ruined. It needs a patch. Maleruach, uh, the air comes out. The karov levadai, it's almost certain. If we permit riding bicycles on Shabbos, it's almost certain that the people will come to fix their bicycles on Shabbos, uh, 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 replace the, uh, the the chain in its proper position on the sprockets, uh, uh, patch patch the tire, and these fixing the bicycle is prohibited on Shabbos because that's tikkun mana, that's the last thing you have to do to make it a usable bicycle. And almost surely that will happen. People will end, if we permit riding bicycles, people are going to fix their bikes and they will be guilty of rabbinic and Torah violations of Shabbos. There is therefore absolutely no room to permit riding a bicycle, because if we permit it, trouble will result, and people will end up violating Shabbos. Not that the riding of the bicycles is a violation of Shabbos. That's not the violation. They will come to violate Shabbos by fixing the bike. Even though the Ben Ishchai said in Baghdad that you have to be careful to inflate the tires before Shabbos, even though he said that, but still, even if you inflate the tires before Shabbos, riding on Shabbos, the pebbles and stones that you drive over are going to puncture the tire, and uh, all the air is going to come out. You'll want to fix it. Uh, inflating before Shabbos is not going to help you. You're going to want to fix the tires on Shabbos. Usser, usser, usser. Well, well, it is usser to fix the tire on Shabbos. But he says we cannot permit riding the bike because people will come to fix the bike. Well, uh, doesn't this sound like a new law? Uh, uh, we're prohibiting something which really is permitted because we are afraid that it will come to more violations of Shabbos. This rings like a gzera chadasha, a new law nowhere in the, in the Torah. 
Nowhere in the legislation of the Sanhedrin did it say anything about prohibiting using an instrument, a tool, an, uh, an object which might come or will probably come uh, to require fixing. There's no source in the Gemara for that, but we think it's a problem and therefore we prohibit it. Bivadai Gamur, I'm absolutely certain, he says. I'm quite certain that the Ben Ishchai, when he wrote what he wrote in the permissive tshuva on the previous screen, I'm absolutely definitively sure that he didn't know what he's talking about. He had never seen a bicycle. He had never seen anyone ride a bicycle. And he was relying entirely upon someone's description from the city of Bombay. If someone had told him, if he had known that bicycles require ongoing maintenance and have to be fixed from time to time, he would never have permitted the bicycle. It seems to me, Shamati, it seems to me that I have heard the from people who tell the truth, it seems to me that I've heard from truthful sources to Moreno Rabbeinu Rabati, I've heard from reliable, truthful sources that the great rabbi of Iraq, the great Benishchai in Baghdad, okay, any the moment I don't remember exactly who it is who told me this. I think someone who was reliable once told me, I think, that afterwards, when the Ben Ishchai finally saw a bicycle and realized that it's liable to break and would would require repair, that when he finally saw one, he changed his mind. The whole Chassidav he told all his followers that it's prohibited to ride a bicycle. Now, uh, anyone who's interested in folkloric uh, studies knows that we have here a motif uh, which is very, 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 very common throughout world folkloric literature. Uh, the motif uh, of the great leader changing his mind and knowing that he changed his mind because I'm pretty sure someone reliable told me that. Uh, I'm pretty sure that someone reliable told me that Rambam on his deathbed changed his mind about this, changed his mind about that. Uh, These the stories abound, not only in rabbinic literature, but in world folklore as well. Uh, in any event, our author, Rahadaya, the author of the Yaskil Avdi, originally from Aleppo, uh, in Syria, uh, was uh, one of the leading rabbis of Yerushalayim in the early 20th century, is definitively prohibiting the bicycle because he says it, it might, it's probably going to break down and require repair. Uh, true, the Torah never said that you're not allowed to use an instrument which is likely to break down and will require, require repair. Uh, true, the Gemara never said that. But it's perfectly clear to me, and therefore must be prohibited. And as far as the lenient opinion of the Benishchai is concerned, forget about it. He changed his mind. 
he didn't know what he was talking about when he said what he said and when he finally learned what the bicycle really is how it really works of course he changed his mind and told everyone to uh, prohibit the bicycle on Shabbos and Yom Kippur. Back in those days, these are still the words of the Yaskil Avdi. Basically, the Ben Ishchai didn't know what he was talking about when he wrote what he wrote. He had never seen a bicycle. Uh, he was just working on the basis of descriptions that people had given him. But, nowadays, when there are many bicycles around and we see with our own eyes how often they break and require repair, it's perfectly clear that we cannot permit them and they're obviously prohibited. And I heard, of course, uh, from a reliable rumor, a reliable source, that uh, the Benishchai changed his mind. Okay, so we have the lenient opinion of the Benishchai. We have the strict opinion of the Yaskil Avdi in the beginning of the 20th century, uh, based on, number one, we cannot follow the leniency because he himself rejected it when he figured out what was going on. And number two, uh, we cannot follow the leniency because, don't know exactly what the source is, but there's some prohibition to use an object which is likely to break and require repair on Shabbos. Now uh, we move down to the uh, middle of the 20th century, and we have this tshuva of, uh, of Rav Avad Yosef. Rav Avad Yosef was, among other things, uh, the chief Sephardic rabbi of Israel, and he was a um, uh, formidable, uh, formidable uh, rabbinic scholar, not only uh, not only that, but immensely influential, immensely influential as a uh, posek worldwide. And uh, uh, you know, all the sources we've seen up to this point are Sephardic, uh, the Benishchai, Yaskelavdi, now Rahavad Yosef, and Yabia Omer. But remember that although in learning Torah, although in studying Halacha, we like to focus on the disagreements between Sephardic and Ashkenaz authorities, and where there are such disagreements, and there are many, uh, of course, each team should follow its captains. Uh, but the, the, the truth is, although we like to focus on these disagreements because they provide good subject for study, uh, the truth is, in, in most issues, there is no controversy uh, between Sephardic and Ashkenaz authorities. And, and in such issues, in most issues, where there is no controversy, of course, it doesn't matter which team you're on, uh, the captains of each team are of equal, are of equal value, of, of equal importance for you. Here's what Rav Avadia Yosef had to say about this issue. Uh, it is well known, he writes, it is well known that the Rav Pa'olam, the Benishchai, the great rabbi of Baghdad, permitted riding bicycles on Shabbos. This is well known. Uh, but it's also known that Rav Hadaya prohibited it, which we saw on the previous screen. Katav Rav Hadaya wrote, Rav Hadaya 
in the previous screen when he prohibited bicycles wrote the Benish High didn't know what he was talking about. When he eventually saw a bicycle, he realized it's prohibited. Can we accept this claim of Rav Hadaya? Can we accept this claim that the Benish High changed his mind? Be'emet, Agon Rav Yosef Chaim. The truth is, the Benish High, Rav Yosef Chaim, the great Rav of Baghdad. The the truth is. Kol raz lo onisle. Nothing escaped his attention. There's no such thing. He he would never write a tshuva about something he didn't know about. He would never uh, uh, express an opinion, permitted, prohibited, about something unless he was absolutely sure that he was right. Uh, uh, And and, and it's just impossible, impossible to imagine that he would permit something or prohibit something which he really didn't know what he's talking about. It can't be. And Bahashmatot Bechelik Aleph, in the agenda, which the great Rav of Baghdad published at the end of his book, uh, no, uh, um, uh, that's not true. In the agenda, which Rav Hadaya wrote at the end of his book, he says, I heard people say that the bicycle is going to break on Shabbos and people will come to uh, to uh, fix it. This is nonsense. It is nonsense to claim that just because the bike is going to break and people will fix it, uh, that it's prohibited. You can't say something like that. It's just nonsense. We have no authority to legislate new prohibitions. Uh, assume for a moment that it's true that the bicycle is likely to break down and people are likely to, to fix it. Assume for a moment it's true. Even if it's true, we do not have the authority to create a new prohibition and prohibit using an instrument which is likely to break down and people will want to fix them. Well, we can't, uh, 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 we can't do that. Lomatzati uh, is part of the original text. Uh, if it's not prohibited in the Torah, which of course it isn't, as far as bicycles are concerned, and the rabbis did not prohibit it back in the days of the Sanhedrin, there are many things which might break if you use them on Shabbos. I've never heard of prohibiting to use something just because it might break on Shabbos. A lot of things are fragile and might break. And no one ever said, you're not allowed to touch anything fragile on Shabbos lest it break. No one ever said such a thing. And how can you create such a prohibition yourself? Uh, I suppose the Sanhedrin, had they seen fit, could have legislated some kind of prohibition that anything which is fragile and likely to break is mukta and you're not allowed to use it on Shabbos. You know, if, if they thought it's important to make such a law, they would have made such a law, but they didn't. They did not see fit to prohibit any fragile items just because they might break and be fixed on Shabbos. Anu and we, if, if the Sanhedrin did not legislate such a prohibition, we have no authority to do so ourselves. And therefore, 
the, the lenient opinion of the Benish Chai must stand, and the strict opinion of Rav Hadaya must fall. Must fall for two reasons. Number one, uh, uh, there's no basis for it in the Torah. Number two, there's no basis for it in the Gemara, which reports to us the legislation of the Sanhedrin. Odot and regarding this rumor that the Ben Ishchai heard, excuse me, regarding this rumor that Rav Hadaya heard that the Ben Ishchai changed his mind, regarding this rumor that he claims to have heard, Ani Omar, I say, I say, it's just a, a, a worthless rumor. You, you can't decide halacha. You can't make, make halacha decisions on the basis of rumors. They're just, uh, you know, that's not the way we do things. Lo yi'uman can't believe that anyone would, any rabbi would want to make a halachic decision, an issue, a halachic verdict on the basis of rumors. Uh, if it were true that the Ben Ishchai changed his mind, if it were true that he had not seen the bicycle and when he finally did see one, he realized, oh, I made a mistake. If that were true, he would have published the fact that he changed his mind. He would have realized that he unleashed uh, an incorrect leniency on the world. He would have moved heaven and earth to inform people that, 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 that I made a mistake. I said it's permitted, but it's a mistake. He would have moved heaven and earth to tell people that they, he made a mistake and, and what he said was permitted is really prohibited. If he changed his mind, he would have done that. Uh, he would have moved heaven and earth to make sure that everyone knew that what he had previously, immediately, was just a mistake. Well, of course, it's just a rumor. Adrabah, not only is it just a rumor, I can prove, Rav Avadir of Yosef writes, I can prove that the rumor is false. I can prove that he never changed his mind. Not only is it unreasonable to think that he would change his mind without informing us, I can prove that he never changed his mind. The last book that he wrote in his life was uh, the last book he wrote on such and such page number. He strengthens and repeats his leniency in the last book he wrote shortly before he died. He writes again in the last book on page such and such. In the last book that he wrote before he died, he repeats the idea that, that if the Gemara doesn't prohibit it, even though we think they would have prohibited it if they had known about it, nonetheless, since the rabbis of the Gemara, only, since only the rabbis of the Gemara had authority to create prohibitions, we uh, do not have rabbis like that nowadays. We do not have a Sanhedrin where rabbis qualified to be in the Sanhedrin with the traditional chain of ordination going back to Moshe Rabbeinu. We do not have authority to create new prohibitions ourselves. Even when it seems reasonable 
that the Sanhedrin would have prohibited something, there's nothing we can do about it. And therefore, as reasonable as it seems to you that riding a bicycle might be should be prohibited on Shabbos, lest one come to fix it, as reasonable as that claim might seem to you, it's an invalid basis for any prohibition. Uh, not only is it impossible to accept that the Ben Ishchai would have changed his mind without making every effort to tell us about that change, that he's made a mistake. <laughs> uh, just imagine a rabbi today, a great rabbi today, who make, uh, rabbis can make mistakes. Uh, I know that it's possible for rabbis to make mistakes. Of course, I never made a mistake, but I know it's I know it's theoretically possible for rabbis to make a mistake. I know that because there is an entire tractate of the Gemara devoted to the question what to do when the rabbis make a mistake. Uh, Horius is an entire tractate devoted to that question, what to do when the rabbis make a mistake. I, I myself, of course, never made one. That's not true. I think I made a mistake once around 15 years ago, but I was able to correct it very quickly, so you don't have to worry. The, uh, he, he, he would never have been silent about correcting a mistake he made if he had made one. And number two, in the la one of the, la the last book he published shortly before his life, he repeats the leniency and repeats the idea that Ein Lanu Koach, Ligzor Gezerot Hadashat Medatenu, we do not have the authority to create a new halacha. Okay, what do we have up to this point? So far, three great authorities. The first, the Benishchai, lenient. The second, Yaskilavdi. Ah, no, 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 it's prohibited. He didn't, he didn't mean it. He, he was wrong when he, and he eventually realized he was wrong when he was lenient. And uh, the reason it's prohibited is lest you come to fix the bicycle on shops. Third opinion, that of Rabbi Yosef. Number one, he never changed his mind. The first authority never changed his mind. And number two, we do not have authority to uh, make our own uh, prohibitions. And therefore, riding a bicycle is permitted on Shabbos Yantif as long as you are within an Eruv. Now, I have to finish with one final point today. The same Ovadia Seif, who just taught us that it's permitted to ride a bicycle, the same Rav Ovadia, who taught, just taught us that it's permissible to ride a bicycle on Shabbos, in another book he wrote, uh, uh, namely Revius Chaim, writes as follows, Halacha, bottom line Halacha, Kevan, Sherabu Acharonim, Shekadvul Hachmir Bazer, bottom line Halacha is, since many rabbis prohibit riding bicycles, it's, of course, proper and correct to tell people to be strict. The same rabbi who, in the previous tshuva, explained to us why it is permitted to ride, to ride bicycles, now says, it's proper and correct to tell people to refrain. Why is it proper and correct to tell people to refrain? Because many rabbis say so. Many rabbis say so. Here we have some tension between two published sources by the same great rabbi. At this point, we're going to pause. Next week, we're going to see what we can do to uh, resolve this tension, and then we'll go proceed generation by generation down to contemporary times 
and see what modern rabbis have to say about bicycles and about uh, tricycles and, uh, and other uh, similar, similar devices. Until then, I wish you a good week and eventually a Shabbat Shalom and look forward to seeing you all again next week. Shalom, shalom. Oh, okay. Oh, stuff is, stuff works. Stuff things.